Today is episode 309 and we have Kelly Johnson and I'm excited to have him, but today's podcast is brought to you by designrevival.ga. Design Revival is a conference for people in the church industry. If you want to know the importance about design and you work in a church, then this is the conference for you. If you already work at a church, and you already are a designer, you want to be able to prove to your pastor or somebody on the board of why design is important, this is the conference for you and them. So I hope you guys go in Columbus, Georgia, and you can find out more at designrevival.ga. And if you, um, the pre-conference is $149, and the walk-up at that Day. It is September 6th and 7th, and the walk-up price is $199. If you get your ticket earlier, pre-conference, it's $149. And you can find out more at designrevival.ga. Today is also brought to you, of course, by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash designrecharge. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from for your phone, your Android, or your Kindle MP3 player. Right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. This is episode 309, and I'm here with my friend Kelly Johnson, who I sat next to like two years, three years, two, three years? Three years ago now, I think, yeah. Three years ago at Creative South, I said, can I sit next to you? And he didn't know what he was getting into because I was, we, he was just trying to watch a talk right before and <laughs> I made a friend forever. And then I couldn't remember his name the next year, but I remembered he was from Utah and, um, and he had my husband's haircut. So I knew that he was a good looking man with the bald <laughs> head. Um, you were happy that I remembered where you are from, right? I was impressed. I was impressed. And you remember that you sat next to me. Oh, yeah. you, remember, you may not remember my name, but you remember the whole interaction. Except your name. Except <laughs> for my name. That's okay. So Jeremy agrees bald is beautiful. I try to have, you know, a bald person every third person. No, I'm just kidding. I don't really try that. Um, <laughs> if I had a choice, I would have hair, and then I could decide to be bald. But as it is, I just get what God's given me. All right. So we're going to get started. I have a bunch of questions for Kelly. I would love to know if you're in the chat. Um, I know Amy's kind of in this situation, kind of a lonely, only designer and working in-house somewhere. It can be a, a real struggle. And I think that that's, um, you know, you don't always start off there, but sometimes you end up there or sometimes like Paige Garland, she's a lonely, only. She is the marketing department, is the design department. And it can be great because you're challenged in a lot of different ways, but sometimes we get in a rut. And I think that that's kind of what we're going to talk about is getting stuck in that vacuum and then mm -hmm. how you got out and how you realized you were in a vacuum. Sure. So, oh, and Joey is as well. And so she does for a local dance studio in Hawaii. So, oh, wow. all right. so, and Joey's a girl, just so you know, you're, Kelly's a boy today. And Joey's a girl. <laughs> we're just keeping it straight here, people. All right. So you are a solo designer working in-house at your church. And mm -hmm. I didn't know, did you go to that church before you started working there? Or like Doc, when he was working at a church, he had to go to that church unless he was on vacation. <laughs> yeah. So I started, I started volunteering before I started working there. And so my volunteering kind of led to my working there. And that's kind of been my story from the get-go is um, like if you're passionate about something, find a creative way to do it and you'll probably find a way to get paid for it. Mm. 
The so end. I, the show's over, people. That's all we need to know. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm good. We're good. <laughs> uh, but it's it's been very it's been very true in my life. When I I grew up in Moab, Utah, which is a, a little town in southeastern Utah, but it's like an adventure headquarters. And it, has it was arches. Great. Has arches as uh, two national parks right surrounding it, Canyonlands and Arches National Park. Um, but I grew up, you know, summers of 110 plus degrees, dry, dry Utah weather. Um, but in, but early on, I started drawing when I was younger, and I loved drawing. I would draw, I would draw trucks and cars, and then I started collecting comic books. And I would, I would draw comic book characters, and and so early on, I was like, well, I want to be an artist. And I didn't know how or what that would be, and I, I quickly kind of stumbled into what design was. And I said, you know, I can, I can do that. I want to do that. And so what I did is I just started looking for ways to, to draw logos to, to do that. So I started talking to my school and said, can I do something for this? Can I do something for that? And I started doing it. And then I graduated from there and I went to college. And when I started up at, at college, I needed, I needed a job. So I cracked open the phone book and I just started calling every print shop, every t-shirt shop I could find until I got a job. My freshman year of college, first semester, I landed a job as a designer before I had a design degree, and I started working as a designer. And then, so I graduated college with four years of design experience from Utah State, which, by the way, has like negative 10 degree winners. So still in Utah, both extremes. Um, and then right out of college, I followed a beautiful girl south to Salt Lake City and uh, got a job in-house as a real estate, with a real estate company as a designer. And then... Um, started attending a church in Salt Lake City, and I met with a pastor and I said, look, here's, here's my skill set. I know I want to use my skill set for the kingdom. What can I do? And he said, well, I've been praying for you, so I've got tons of work for you. Why don't you start volunteering? I volunteered in youth ministry and did some design work for him. And then about two and a half years later, we sat down for lunch one day and he said, how would you like to do this full time? So... So what were you doing in between? So when you were volunteering at church, then what were you doing for work? I worked for a, I worked in-house for a real estate company. Okay. So myself and a buddy I actually graduated with, who was the best man at my lending, actually, we both landed jobs there. We were the entire marketing department. And so we do the design and marketing for real estate agents. And so most real estate agents have to find custom ways to do flyers or website or anything like that. We would do it all in-house. So this real estate broker just provided that in-house. That's cool. Um, that's yeah, so, really different, right? Yeah, a lot of individual brands, but a lot of like uh, home builders and construction projects. Um, so I'd be branding uh, new developments, um, doing a logo for them, doing brochures for new home styles and floor plans, um, anything like that. And so, yeah, I did that for, what, three, three-ish years, two and a half, three years. So then while you were doing that, you were also volunteering. So how many hours a week were you volunteering at church? Uh, between the youth ministry and the design work, probably 10 hours a week, 15 okay. hours a week. Yeah, somewhere in between there. So then they brought you on full-time to do both things, youth ministry and, okay, so then you were splitting, right? Yep. Which, which happens a lot with smaller companies. You have multiple client or multiple, yep. it's like a client doing youth ministry is one thing. <laughs> um, the design for everybody else is a whole nother thing. I know Amy can feel that because sometimes, you know, she has a, she's part of a hospitality brand and they have yep. lots of little, little companies that she's having to work for. So it, it is sort of feel like you're split and sometimes they're opposing, right? They both yep. need to do different things. Well, it's like anything you start out and, and the projects this big and then the other projects this big. 
but it's not like one gets bigger and the other gets smaller. They both kind of get bigger. And that's, that's really what happened is both jobs got significantly bigger. And so I hadn't kind of had like, what am I going to do? Am I going to do youth ministry or am I going to do design? Because I can't do both. They're both really big now. And I found in recent years, anytime I step into a project, it starts like this. And within you know months or a little longer, it's, it's kind of like this. And so be careful when you take on new projects because they're never this. Yeah, they're <laughs> never what they look it. like, right? Yeah. Okay, so you um, – was it your choice to do design or was it your choice to do – or what did you – what would, did you feel like you were called to do? Or was it, was it very clear? Because sometimes I, we are – you have to choose. Yeah, I chose design. And there were, there were multiple factors for that, but um, – by and large, a season of life I was in needed me to, to step away from some of the ministry responsibilities and, and settle into the design responsibilities. And so how many I, years ago was that? Uh, 2012-ish. Oh, you're going to make me do math? Yeah, maybe. So we like friends. seven years, like seven years ago. Okay. Maybe more, 2011, 2012-ish, seven, eight years ago. So this, this is the point where you had a kid? Because one of your kids is about that old. So I had Noah in 2009. So he's our first kid. So okay. he's about two. Okay. So, yeah. So you kind of needed more of your nights to do things with family or weekends <laughs> to do things with family, right? Yeah. yeah. Had, had some responsibilities. I need to step into that as well. Yes. So then you really met design early on or you met art early on and then you just figured out a way to make art make money. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then you important. pursued it in, in college and obviously you, you kind of were like, Jeremy, you got a job straight out and then you went to school and, and worked while you were getting a degree. Jeremy just learned on the job and yep. kicks butt doing it. All yeah, right. I so, heard Jeremy's story. He, he, uh, he mastered that art. Of I know. Figuring out how to do stuff. I know. And he has a good haircut just like you. That's right. All right. So, um, what do you think is the best part of working as a solo? Um, Cause there are good things and then there are bad things. So we're going to get to both, but what do you think has been the best part of working as kind of the solo uh, designer marketing person? Cause really you're both right. You have both. Yeah. Of those, okay. Yeah. Um, for a company or organization. And, and it's very similar kind of to what Amy's doing because there's so many parts of a church. There's so many, there's sports, there's children's, there's, you know, women's, there's men's, there's families, you know? Yeah. For me, it's, it's been the combination of opportunity and freedom. Um, so I have this, I should think in general for everybody, um, in that environment, you, you have freedom to kind of explore different things, but when you're the only person doing the design work, you kind of have the freedom to explore it any way you want. Nobody's putting you in that big a box. Um, and so then you have a lot of opportunities to explore it in different ways. I, for you know the better part of 12 years, I've been the only designer, web designer, uh, the printer. We have a printer in-house. I've been doing the printing and the installation. I've been doing videography, photography, um, anything in the whole scope. I've been doing all of it for the organization for over 10 years until the last year. We have a, another guy who's doing videography and photography for me now. But other than that, I've been just doing it all. But it's also given me a chance to like work in fields I normally wouldn't have an opportunity to just explore but with like low expectation because nobody's looking for me to be the professional photographer. It's like, Oh, we'll take whatever you can do. And so that, that opportunity to explore and the freedom to experiment has been awesome to have and just to to develop and to learn. 
um, it's been a lot of fun to have those things. So Joey said something that is totally a good segue to the next question, which is what's the worst part? You know, what's been the hardest thing about working alone? And Joey says, which I think is so perfect. She says, it's nice, but non-designers always love the work and it's hard to find valuable criticism to help you grow. And this is like the key of why I wanted Kelly on here because this is what <laughs> happened, right? Can you kind of give them a little bit of the background of what, 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 what life was like a few years ago? Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is, uh, this is the worst part. <laughs> um, and this is what, what I've, I've kind of dubbed the Island isolation effect. Hmm. So if you, if you picture yourself, um, on a deserted Island, but you have no connection or awareness of the outside world. So you walk out on your, your beautiful desert Island and it's like, Hey, I got a nice beach and the sunshine and the weather's great. And I got a place to go swim and it's the ocean. And you kind of live in this ignorant bliss. And I, I kind of was in that state where like I was working for this church, but I wasn't connected to the design world. Mm. And so I, I lived in my bliss of not being challenged or getting valuable feedback um, from those around me or near me. And, and then, so we contrast that with, that's the ignorance part. We contrast that with the awareness part, which is now picture you're on that same desert island, but you have connectivity to the outside world you've got social media you've got wi-fi on your island and now you can see everything else in the world and you know what's happening and this is kind of what happened to me is i started to ask the question of what would i do if i wasn't doing what i'm doing right now and that's what caused me to look outside of where i was and i saw all this creativity and valuable content in the world and i went ouch i i've been doing this for must have been seven, eight years at the time. And I'm not any better. I've, I've become a better church worker and I become better at ministry and become better at people, but I have not improved designer because nobody's asked me to be a better designer. Nobody's challenged me to improve it, including myself, because I didn't have to go find clients. I was working for a church. If I wanted a side client, people were walking into the church, seeing my work everywhere and saying, Hey, how would you like to do this? You know, I'm like, oh, sure, I got some extra time. I'll make some extra money. I didn't even know my value as a designer at the time. Mm. It was like, I would just take stuff on because I could use a few extra bucks. And um, yeah, I did that for years and years and years. And so there's two effects. There's two island isolation effects. We'll get to the other one later, which is interesting as well. But that ignorance versus awareness is really what caused me to look outside and go, look, if I want feedback, I got to go find it. And that's that the worst part is it's not going to come to you. You're not going to collaborate with somebody in there who cares about that design. You're going to have to go find it. Hmm. So, okay. So then how did you do that? Because sometimes that can be very hard and you, I didn't know this, but you are more of an introvert. So this is a lot of people relate to that. So uh, you are glad that I came and sat next to you, right? <laughs> Um, I was very glad. Thank you for that. <laughs> but, um, but you didn't know what you were getting into because now I roped you into volunteering and driving, <laughs> getting hey, I, gas. I, and, uh, <laughs> I jumped into volunteering. You had to rope okay. me there. I wanted to do that. Okay. Well, <laughs> it is fun. It's really fun. Okay. Just to sell it if anybody wants volunteer tickets. Oh, I forgot to say, hey, this podcast is brought to you by Design Revival. And I'm going to have to grab my notes in a second. But anyway, um, you can 
uh, I think it's designrevival.ga, and it's for people who work at churches to understand the value of design. So it's not necessarily people like Kelly who do understand the value of design already, but maybe for a pastor or somebody in marketing at a church that maybe is just trying to put stuff together in Word. And then maybe they'll understand the value of that. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to make sure I have the right um, URL so that you guys know about it because it's September 5th and 6th in Columbus, Georgia. And I just wanted you guys to know about it. Okay, so sorry about that for the little commercial there in the middle. Yeah, go check out my boy DP. He's speaking there. Yeah, eggs, absolutely. Okay, so um, one thing I, I think is people don't know, and not every church does this, but you actually have to work six days a week. Yeah, so I work, I work on a flex system. Um, and so more or less, I work six days a week, but I flex my hours. And really, I'm on call the seventh. <laughs> so my, my working joke there is um, I never have to take time off, but I never have time off. And that, so I go on vacation and I'm working and I'm home and I'm working. But my son has a soccer game. I coach his soccer team. I can take time off in the middle of the day to go do that. So there's massive advantages and massive disadvantages to that. Um, so I guess what it boils down to is my wife would say I work a lot. Um, the problem is, is sometimes you miss the days off that uh, are important. So priorities and boundaries are extremely important for me. Mm. So, so then when you, cause some, most people or the, at my church, they get five, they have five days on five days off. Now they work on Sunday, but they don't work Friday or Saturday and there's a bigger team, you know, they have like three designers on stuff. So when you are the only one, here's an advantage of you being the only one, there is the flex time, but then you're also working at home. So when your your wife is a nurse, I believe, right? As you yes, take a sip, is. I'm so sorry. Um, so she's a nurse. So she has uh, more typical hours like a nurse, maybe 10 hours on, or maybe she, I don't know what her hours are. She works two, 12 hours a week. Okay. So then when she's working, you can be home with the boys, right? Yeah. Yep. Beautiful thing. But now there are some times that you have to actually go to work and you have to meet with people or do whatever, right? Yeah. Take pictures or Yep. Maybe not anymore take pictures, but you have other things that you have to do. So six days a week. And sometimes, um, you know, it's good to have some of those people that are from the church coming in and getting you to do some extra work, right? So there's this endless feed of entrepreneurs that need your great work. But what was there something that happened in particular? I know you had told me that you were at a growth point of you in in how you were working and how you were able to minister to people and so you had you had you not like capped that out you're never going to learn anything in that anymore but you had you it was like a manager kind of learning how to manage but they weren't doing the, the design anymore so but you were still having to do the design but you had gotten to a point of you understood how to be a good like you say good church worker right yeah yeah. A good team player, a good, you met people's things, but you're, you didn't feel like you were, you looked back seven years and you were like, I haven't grown. So was there something just because what made you look back? What was it just that social media got more popular and, or you were trying to reach uh, the youth and you just were looking for research and like, Oh man, this is cool now. I didn't know. Like what, what was it? Yeah, so at the time, um, my, my wife has uh, a few health issues that we deal with. 
Um, and one of the things in Salt Lake City that you have to deal with is what we call the inversion. Um, so basically in the winter months, the, the high and low pressures lock um, the air into the valley and the air quality is some of the worst in the country, if not the world. Um, so the air quality dips a lot, which affects my wife's health. And so um, I was just at a point where I need to start to look and ask the question, what am I going to do if I don't do what I do? If we have to move, if we have to change what we're doing, what do I do? Because I've been doing this. And that brought kind of back to that island fever or the island isolation effect where if you're on that deserted island, you learn all these really valuable skills for survival that are super important while you're on that island. Mm. Working in church ministry kind of did that. I learned all these really valuable skills that had massive application for what I was doing. But when I stepped outside of it, when I started to look at the real world, I had no value. My ability to start a fire and survive on my own on the island didn't mean anything in a city. And so these skills I had were no longer of the same value. And so I was like, well, well, if I'm going to be a designer and I'm going to go out in the world, I don't actually have the skill set to do that anymore. And so that's where I started looking and saying, I've got to change my circumstances, even if I'm just going to not do this in the future, if I'm going to do something besides church ministry, because I was in church and I got wonderful and encouraging feedback and people was great and they were loving what I was doing, but I wasn't getting any better and people were just happy with what I was doing because they weren't looking through it through that lens. On the island, my skills were great, but real world, I couldn't do anything with them. And I, I, I never had any challenge for myself. My clients were challenging me to be better. They were looking at what I had. They said, hey, great. I wasn't challenging myself to be better. Um, and so what I did um, is I made two challenges uh, for myself. And that was, um, number one, was to look beyond my island and find mentors at a distance. Hmm. And this and is- People you did and didn't know? So people, it's typically this was people I didn't know. And so what I would do is I, I would look to people who were out in the world who were doing relevant things to what I was doing, but they were doing good work. And I was like, okay, what can I learn from them? What do you mean was, relevant things? Can you give me an example? I'm sorry I'm being hard to, I just don't know what you mean. No, that's, that's a great question. So for me, it was relevant to what I was doing in my current job, right? So I, I was, I was like doing- audience uh, wise or like- like work-wise, like one of the things I wasn't doing was any like lettering type stuff. Okay. And I had never like really been exposed to like lettering and I never thought of myself as a letterer. But, but when I saw people doing lettering, I, I saw stuff that Dan Lee was doing and I was like, wow, that was really applicable to my job. How do I do that? And I, I thought like who was working on sermon types, type stuff of example. So who was making stuff about quotes or, um, or just some lettering stuff that I could put together and like, I could use that on a weekly basis. And so it was relevant to what I was doing. Um, you know, logo design and, and branding stuff that I could use for ministries or, or outreach projects. And so, you know, I, I love Matt Dawson stuff, Stay Gray Pony Boy. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's, that's great work. I can, I can use that. I can learn from what he's doing. So basically, I'm more or less stalking people on social media and, and learning from what they do. Um, but really, I just needed someone to mentor me through design. I didn't have to, like, contact them and reach out and get them to connect because you know, nerves and anxiety, and I don't really want to do that. Um, eventually, I'll get to that point, though. Um, but I could just learn from what they're doing. And so... By just observing, right? So just this observing. Is like a, this is a first step for somebody. And Kevin says he so relates. I, make, I met Kevin maybe four or five years ago at Creative South, and he works at uh, Campus Crusade, right? Still okay. So he actually has a whole other thing on his plate. He has to actually... <laughs> 
get his, he has to get paid. He has to get his funding. He has to fundraise. Yes. He has to fundraise and he has to help other people fundraise and do all this other stuff. Which I totally, I'm so glad you're here, Kevin. I totally have been praying for you, buddy. Okay. So, uh, but he totally relates as being in that kind of that vacuum. And you don't really feel when you work six or seven days a week, you don't feel like you have time to grow. So I really think what you're saying about being relevant is that you picked something that you were going to learn at. You knew these people would love it anyway, right? Because they loved everything you did. Um, but you wanted to grow and you wanted to be, make your portfolio more relevant so that if you had to move, you could. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew that would make me better at my job. I mean, there's also that realization of like, I actually need to be better for what I'm doing. Um, Even if nobody at work's challenging me to do it and they're great with what I'm doing, like I want to make my company or my organization, in this case, my church, I want to make them better. That means me getting better. And so there was that kind of personal challenge. And then the second thing was, I really challenged myself to find design community. I had church community because I was in church. But how do I find design community? And so those are the two challenges I kind of gave myself, find some mentors and you don't have to reach out and connect to everybody, but then find the design community, which you can reach out and connect into that you can be personal with and get on that level with. And so, because I knew from church ministry, accountability and encouragement are essential to any arena of, of growth, of personal growth for you. And so if you're not going to have those things too, you're not going to get better in that area. And um, so I, I did, I sought out some design conferences and, and we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. But um, I made sure to not seek out a church conference because that community I had, I wanted, I wanted a conference that was design related. that was focused on community. And so that was one of the ways I reached out and said, okay, how am I going to find this? Yeah. Okay. So, so then what was surprising to you about finding some of these mentors and then did you ever try to connect with any of them? Um, I connected with them at, conferences at Creative South specifically. Um, I connected with a few of them. I never did reach out on social media and connect with them that way. Um, Why? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't put that on our questions. No, but that's I think, fine. I think your answer is going to be relating to so many other people. So just be honest. Um, because you don't ever want to feel like you're wasting somebody's time. Hmm. And I think personally, it felt like, look, I'm asking to take and take and take from these people. And I can garner with them without having to use up their time, which a lot of people probably demand. And look at my own situation. I'm working six, seven days a week. And time is valuable. And my family needs time. And my friends need time. I'm working needs time. And this needs time. That needs time. It's like, I don't want to reach out and take somebody's time um, if I don't need to. Um, now, that's, that's a hurdle of my own. That's not the truth in that. But it's certainly the way that it feels. And one of the reasons we don't reach out and connect um, is because we feel like, our time is less valuable than their time. Okay, and I so I and I totally think I think people feel that all the time. Absolutely, but and I want you to know that that and I know you know this, but because <laughs> um, because you are also valuable and your ideas and the things that you bring to the table are valuable, then what happens is that you also because you're growing, because you're not just taking, 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 you're doing, and then you're saying, hey, you you become, and now you've found, you have some guys that are super really close with you. And I guess I'm trying to say, you know, this is how Kelly was feeling. He didn't want to waste anybody's time. And I think a lot of people are like that, right? I think so. Um, (laughs) Personally, yeah. I do. I, I think so too. I think absolutely. But then what happens, how, you know, 
how do we get past that to get to a point of reaching out and saying, um, this is something else I think is important. Yeah. I think, I think for me, and one of the reasons I was able to find some great friends through Creative South, and one of the things I challenged myself to find community that way um, was really because um, I, I found ways that I could try and find value to give to other people's lives as well. And, and that's what I want to do is, is like make sure that I'm providing value to someone else's life at the same time. And so I happened to find a couple of people who I connected. I talked with Kyle the first time I was at Creative South, Kyle Courtright. And we probably connected more on, on, on life and, and personal matters than we did on design. But then we just, after Creative South, we didn't connect. And then the next year at Creative South, we came back and we made more connection. And then we shared life together and Daryl came in that mix. And, and then it became sharing life. And then there was value. And I think that, you know, anybody, you know, want to reach out to and connect with and, and do life. I'm looking like, how do I do life with this person? Not how do I just, how do I garner all their knowledge and, right. and just glean anything off of them I can? I want to do that, but I want to, I want to share life. Okay. So, what so I wanted that? to find ways I could do that. So exactly. So th this is the value, right? You're not just taking, taking, taking. You're also giving. So you're sharing, you're being vulnerable, you're um, sharing, you're asking for help as well um, from somebody. You're, you're asking for help there. You're offering help. You're giving things. You're so doing life. What does that look like? So for somebody who doesn't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> for, well, it's going to look a little bit different for everybody, right? But I think, I think doing life means sharing things, right? So in design, we have a common interest in design we may have other common interests, right? Like maybe we all like to skateboard or maybe we all like sports and we share in those interests. So I think doing in life and sharing that interest. In the instance of Kyle and Daryl, like Kyle and I, Daryl packed up our families. We went out to Kyle's place um, and we, we actually shared life together <laughs> and our wives and kids came and they made connections and we grew together. And that's like, those are the relationships I want that, that are so mutually beneficial. And I think that's, I was seeking those kinds of relationships that had a design element to them. Um, I, I wanted that value. Um, I wanted to be there. And frankly, between Kyle and Daryl and I, we all shared faith. Um, we all, we all knew Jesus. We loved Jesus. And, and that became a, a central connection in our faith that we could grow in and having that connection. Now, now I've got people in my life in Kyle and Daryl where we connect, you know, we can connect as men, our wives connect as women, our kids connect as kids. We connect all as, as in our faith. Um, we connect as designers. We can, okay, this is sharing life these commonalities in this community. Um, and we're, I think we're all growing and being better because of that. And we can bounce ideas off of each other and we can celebrate each other's victories and we can mourn with each other when we mourn. We can rejoice when we rejoice. Um, that's, that's community. That's what I wanted. That, I mean, that's what drew me to go to Creative South is when the Creative South mantra is come as friends, lead as family. Again, I wasn't looking for just design. I, Creative South to me is a community conference for designers. And that's what set it apart to me at the time. And maybe there's other things out there like that now, but there was nothing like that that I saw out there at the time. And that is so valuable for us as designers, especially designers like me who live in our bubble, who live in our vacuum, and we are not being forced into that. To find a place where that's easy to step into, to find a place where you can be challenged to be in community more than you're challenged to be designer, more than a challenge to be a church employee, more than whatever it is, to just get into community that's relevant to you mm -hmm. um, was valuable. 
And so that's, that's why I didn't pursue mentors at a distance for that kind of relationship because they're far away enough we could get that. And, and Daryl and Kyle are far away from me. But I will always prefer to talk to you in person whenever I have that chance. And that's where I'll make my connection. I have massive anxiety about talking to people for the first time that I've never met. And I have to challenge it all the time. I work in church. Yay me. I should have picked a different career. <laughs> but it's, right. I've got to do it. And, and, and I have that anxiety. And it's hard. But my best relationships have come when I've stepped out of that box and I've done that. Um, but for me, to take that leap and to do it in person is something that I needed because I'm better in person than I am on the phone or text or anything like that. Um, You're pretty good on video. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you're getting your point across. You know, we're getting, I feel like we're, I feel like we're feeling it. Hey, Mario, Mario's, hey, Mario, Joey's here too. They're all are both in Hawaii. I don't know what island y'all are on, but you guys should talk over in the chat. Okay. So, so I love that. So I love that it's about being authentic. It's about being real. It's not just about sharing, hey, look what great happened. Look what great happened. But you're also all working. Um, so you all have a side gig. Kyle has his own business and he has a side gig to his business. Harold has a job and then he has a side gig. You have this, you have made one of the things that I wanted to have you on here for. It was because you have this really intense job. You're also like a soccer coach. You kind of downplayed that a little bit. It's like for traveling soccer, like really competitive <laughs> soccer. And they won the big award. He's got a big trophy over there somewhere, right? There's the, the last two years for the glory cup are right there. That's pretty amazing. It's not like <laughs> just like peewee soccer and they're all chasing the ball as a unit, like, uh, you know, right. <laughs> so, so this is something that's, it's not just a easy breezy kind of thing. So, but what happened? So I'm trying to paint that picture of you were very busy. You have two boys, you have a wife, you have a, you know, people that you do life with in person, and then you really felt called to go to some and build this other kind of design community. And in that, you've now found people who you can do life together, not just design life together. Yeah. And you decided that you were going to be working on lettering. So you just upped on a creative project by yourself. Now, granted, you do this with other people sometimes. Not They don't know you're doing it, right? I mean, I guess they were <laughs> if they were following you. But you do, and I want to show some some work. I'm just going to pull up your Instagram unless you have something you want to show. No, you're fine. You can pull okay. it up. That's fine. So I'm going to pull it up right now just so people can see. So to me, there's you have a great branding voice. This is the church logo. This is for the kids, right? Yeah, yeah. That's okay, the so. logo. Okay. Yeah. So capital. Oh, I thought maybe they were, I clearly didn't look through this enough. Okay. So then there's these message, um, the hand lettering stuff that you've done. And mm -hmm. then you did this in the computer. And then when, what you need is, is a typeface. That's, uh, it's all procreate right there except until I add the backgrounds in Photoshop. Oh, wow. So you wrote that also when you, what you need is, uh huh. Holy moly. How did you write that? Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> very, very. Oh, but that goes into our next one, right? The perfectionist, um, the evil thing of the perfectionist. But I want to get to this. The um, you sent me these. It might be the logo is awesome. This is the, the capital logo. The C. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah. So we finally rebranded that. Um, 
when, once I got to be a better designer, they let me rebrand my horrible work from <laughs> 12 years ago. So one of the things I love, so you tried this, um, it was like 30 days of. So Bible yeah, I tried, I, well, there's, there's a 30, I tried them at the same time, right before I went to creative right. style. Cause you're and, an overachiever. Well, this is where boundaries and priorities are good because I never finished either of them and that's okay. Right. We'll talk about unfinished design here in a little bit, but that's right. okay. Um, so I started the 30 days of Bible lettering and the 36 days of type and I was doing them at the same time. Um, and it was a lot of fun. I did them to get better at pre procreate. I was doing lettering stuff for the weekly sermon stuff on the weekends. And I just wanted to get better at hand lettering stuff so that I could do that better for my job. Mm -hmm. And then the lettering was, I wanted to experiment with different brushes and things I could do in procreate. So really it was not like, it was not to display my skill set. It was to get better at my skill set. And so I I was just like, I'm just going to do these and I'm going to do the best I can. And I'm going to experiment and try new stuff and see if I can't improve at what I'm already doing. Right. And okay, I did so, that for like 10 days. <laughs> okay. So then I don't see, is it in the other, is maybe in the Capital Church one, the, um, the one with the wonders of the world? Um, yeah. So that's, uh, honestly, if you go to Kel Designed, it's probably on that one. Okay. At um, Kel Designed? Yeah, my, that's on my personal one before I switched over to Unfinished Design. Um, oh, this it was, one. It was design. a Capital Kids VBS, so Vacation Bible School. Um, it's going to be down quite a ways. Okay. I don't know how Sorry. far, but. But there's your logo, right? There's my logo. Yeah, that's my personal logo. And then lots of family pictures that we see. Hey, there's me and you. Yeah, that's. And that's there's, hey, there's your boys, Daryl yeah. and Kyle. That's my boys right there. <laughs> okay, so we're scrolling. Okay, so here's that's one right. of them. Yeah, so. That was, that was the flyer we did to hand out. Um, this was a lot of fun, actually. This is when I first got my iPad Pro, and I, I basically found pictures of all these destinations. It was a travel theme for VBS, and I found pictures of all these destinations, and I pulled them in Procreate, and I traced over in Procreate, and then I pulled them into Illustrator and traced my trace, <laughs> vectorized my tracings, and then colored them. And then I made all these posters out of it, and uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I don't always get to do, like, fun illustration stuff like this, but that was a ton of fun to do and, and really stretched my skills. And it was very different on style wise than I'd, I'd seen you do. So it was a kind of different feel, like uh, even the texture of it. Yeah. But then here's the other thing I love about Kelly. He's colorblind. Yay. <laughs> I can't so, see what I'm doing. <laughs> so the, this is a challenge for you, but the colors are incredible. I think you did amazing. And I think these, I mean, it just is a neat style different and I, I love the whole set together I, but again you get to do some really big branding you know full sets of a vision you know yeah yeah I get I, I love logo and branding I love I love the the lens of design and storytelling mm. um, because I do so much of that in church how do I tell this story to people you, we, every week our pastor teaches through through what we call one thing and, and so there's kind of one main point to the message and that's the design work I do every week at Capitol on a Friday afternoon as I'm cranking through this one thing. And I love it because it's this challenge to tell a very complex idea in a very simple way, which is essentially logo design at its heart, right? Um, but how do I make this thing sticky? Um, how, do, how do I find different creative ways to do it every week so it's not the same every week? Um, and, and a lot of that kind of challenging stuff. I love the challenge. I wish I had more time to do it. Um, but it's, it's a fun challenge. And so I get, I, I love storytelling. I love trying to communicate with simplicity. 
And, and I get a lot of ways to stretch that and challenge that at my job. Okay, so then you you took some challenges. So let's go back to that. So you pushed yourself just on your, in the very beginning with just lettering, right? You said, I'm going to get better at lettering. And then you started incorporating it. How did you incorporate that? Obviously, there are quotes that, you know, you could post, but were these for social media? Were these for sermons? Well, how are you incorporating them into your job? Because this is what I think a lot of people don't do. They have these side challenges and they can't incorporate them. So this is the beauty of having... Um, like you and Amy have these really wide clients, you know, you have some really tight areas, but then you have some really wide areas to go as well. So for me, the lettering was the lettering was a specific skill that added to what I was already doing. So I was doing the one things every week already. And the lettering allowed me more creative ways to do it because man, you get stuck in a rut. I have been doing a one thing for every Friday, every week of the year. I have not taken a week off um since 2013 <laughs> wow so it's you know and it how do i keep doing it different how do i get creative how do i do new photos in the background what how am i how am i going to find content for all this and becoming a better letterer allowed me to leverage away from photography mm-hmm. which is hard to search through and find and find licensing for and all that stuff and so um and it allowed me to leverage the lettering creativity um, and go to more, you know, just generic backgrounds and color splashes and stuff like that to, to make that work. And, and now the lettering became the focus. And what I found is that the lettering kind of made it more sticky and more mm-hmm. memorable because it had, it had more visual value to it than photos in the background. So, um, so that was a neat transition to be able to make. And so I would use those every week. They would go in the sermon slides um, they would go on the website, they would go on social media, um, they would just basically get plastered everywhere. And what it became is, is our community began to use this as a discipleship tool. So it would show up on people's phones, it would show up on people's computer background, it would show up, and now our community is using this to place all over the place to remind themselves of this truth that came from the message and so on and so forth. And so um, it became very, very valuable for our community, and it, that value was increased by my getting better at it. And so essentially me improving my skills helped people in their discipleship with Jesus, which was the overall goal to begin with. Okay. So, but that wasn't the only challenge you, you've done. Obviously you've pushed yourself in illustration, which uh, maybe wasn't um, from the get go. I mean, I think you always were a drawer, but it's like, even when you get a new tool, just like the iPad became a tool and you weren't going to let it take, you were going to, you were going to use it for, to see what you could do. And I think some people think, oh, it's just too big. I don't have time to learn it. Um, I shouldn't have bought it. Or, But you've had really good ways of integrating it in in small ways where it didn't seem so overpowering. Yeah. I mean, like, like it's, it's like we were talking about earlier. Like pick the thing that you're passionate about and find creative ways to do it, right? And you'll probably find a way to get paid for it. <laughs> and, and so that was just like, okay, like lettering is going to be helpful for me. So that was, that was my passion behind it. Essentially the time is this just going to make what I do better. And I care about what I'm doing. Mm. So I just picked that niche. Right. And I'm going to use my iPad to do lettering. But then I had a project come up that was illustrative. Right. And it's like, okay, I could, I could hone my skill for this project. And so I just found, I found opportunities in what I was doing to say, how can I use this tool in just this way? So for the illustration project, for the, the posters, I just traced in Procreate. 
And it just gave me a chance to, to figure out how brushes work and to see how I could overlay something and trace in there and then move it over. And this was early on in Procreate. So some of the features weren't what they are now. Um, and so that, that became an easy way to kind of like just use that one little skill. How am I going to use brushes to do this? And, and okay, now I can incorporate the things I already know in Illustrator and I can make them work. And it was just a lettering thing. And so I would, I would look at people who are doing lettering in Procreate, like Dan Lee or Dylan Menges or, um, and I would see what they're doing. I'm like, okay, I love the way their lettering is working right there. How are they doing that? How are they using ligatures to combine letters? How are they, how are they flowing the, the text? Um, how are they combining it together? What embellishments are they using to tie it all together? It's like, okay, how can I recreate that? How can I do that? Because I got, I've got a phrase I need to do that with. So can I, can I use that style and make it my own? Can I, you know, whatever it is. And I would, I would focus on, on different styles. Um, and then the, the 36 days of type was great because you just focus on one letter. <laughs> it's like, what style can I use for this letter? And then can I use that style later once I've kind of figured out how I did it? So really it was just a lot about learning what, what skills, like I have a ridiculous amount of brushes in Procreate and I use like five, right? And you find like your five and like, these are the really good brushes to use. I just keep coming back to them. Right. Um, and we, we do the same thing with fonts, right? We got 498 fonts on my system. I use five. <laughs> just, but I think it's what you're comfortable with, right? You know how to use that tool. So I'm good with the screwdriver. Yeah. I don't really know how to use that hammer as well. I'm going to stay. So I think in a way that could be another challenge is to yeah. find five more brushes within a year to embrace. Now you have 10 that you, you, you know, it's just like type, you know. Yeah. yeah. But, but so there's something I want to say that's, that I think leads us into the next question which okay. is one, this was a daily, you were doing something daily. And I think when we do something daily and it had clear uh, parameters, so you knew when you were done and mm -hmm. you had a goal, you had to add something like, I want to do this in this style. Or you said, hey, I'm going to look at Dylan's stuff and I'm going to do the next four weeks in Dylan's sort of style um, in this for the, what do you call them? The, the uh, one quote? One thing. One thing, one thing, the one thing. I don't know. I couldn't remember. I'm so sorry. So the, so the one thing. So this is also, I think, a key to this next thing about being perfect. So a lot of designers have this perfection uh, monster. And it, I know it plagues you as well. And so when you do something every day or every Friday, you don't have a ton of time to commit. You don't have the entire Friday to do it. You have to do other things. There's still other things that you have to do. So you have to fit it in. Now, you know, when you're learning something brand new, you have to give it a little bit more time. But why do you think doing something daily or doing something weekly with clear parameters helped you grow more than just, you know, putting 10 hours in once every quarter? Yeah, I mean, intentionality is the, the big word there, right? Like you're doing something on purpose. Um, that was that was the struggle of being isolated is I was so comfortable. Like I have to admit, I'm a victim of positive feedback, which is positive feedback is wonderful. We all love it, right? That's, that's fantastic. Um, but you need negative feedback. If you want to grow, you need criticism. Um, now, hear me, you don't need mean feedback. <laughs> <laughs> but you need constructive feedback and you need your negative points highlighted by safe people. And that's what I didn't have. Right. And so um, being a victim of positive feedback just allowed me to kind of sit back and do what I was doing. But when you intentionally put stuff out there, like I am going to grow with this. Well, if I need to grow, 
I need somebody to prune. Otherwise, I'm going to put resources into branches that are not valuable, that need to die. Right. Um, and so if you want negative feedback, if you want to be your best self, you have to have somebody come in there and prune some branches. Well, just putting something on Instagram is going to invite that. Now, frankly, in my experience, the bulk of the design community is very kind and very encouraging. And I'm thankful for that. Um, so you're probably going to have to go out there and not just receive feedback well, but seek feedback well. Which means you're going to have to ask and you're going to have to tell somebody, hey, not what do you think of this, but tell me what you don't like about this. So how did you do that? Because I think this is really important. So this is another tactical step that somebody can take because they want to grow. How did you find safe people? And then what kind of questions did you ask to actually get them to not just stroke you to actually give you real feedback? So I didn't seek my feedback on social media. Okay. That's not my source, even though I just talked about it, that's a place you invite okay, it. Okay, yeah. Um, but those are not safe. Mm, those okay. are not trust. And so, you know, hearing Chris Doe talk about this a while back, and he, he mentioned that, where it's like we pour all this time and energy and we give up our most valuable resource of time to seek the approval of people who may or may not be qualified to give it. It's like I don't know what the qualification is of somebody giving me feedback online. So I, I sought out personal feedback from people I could trust. And then it's just learning. Like who? The, um, the people I work with who are not designers, instead of just asking whether or not they liked my work, I said, tell me what you don't like. And then this very important question that we all need to learn to ask, tell me more. Don't just take the feedback. Don't just stop there. Tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. Dig into it. And so I started for acts for tell me more. Um, but it's I, also how you receive it, right? When you receive it from them, if you're not defensive, if you just receive it and then you come back with maybe changes or you show them what you did differently, where you're trying to incorporate and you're asking them for it, it it's like an expert opinion, even though yeah. maybe they're not an expert, but they're an expert consumer. Yeah. Right. What we, what we need to do is stop learning to defend ourselves. That's our instinct is to defend my work, defend my creation, to defend my baby. Mm -hmm. Just stop defending yourself. You don't have to defend yourself. Ask for the feedback, receive the feedback, decide whether the feedback is valuable or whether it's not. Because feedback's gonna do one of two things. It's either gonna cause us to change direction or to keep doing what we're doing with more conviction. Mm. Now we gotta be humble, we gotta be open because you can't get stuck on something that's not valuable. We gotta learn to receive it and change course. But it's gonna do one of those two things. So why, if you offer me feedback and I go in, I don't want your feedback, that's not helpful to me. I don't like that you don't like what I did. It doesn't matter. You have them perspective. You're not seeing the world I am. So learning to receive feedback, um, for heaven's sake, um, read Sheila Heen and I think it's Douglas Stone's book, Thanks for the Feedback. Um, I, it's sent over there. This, everyone who's a designer, creative, or anybody who needs criticism should read this book. You've got to receive it well. Um, and that's, and not just receive it. It's, if, feedback's all about perception. If, if we see feedback as a threat, we'll defend. Hmm. Defend, deflect, blame, rationalize. That's all we're going to do. But if we see feedback as valuable, more like a bowl of Wheaties than a knife at our head, mm -hmm. and it's going to fuel us and it's going to make us better, that's what we need. Now, I'm not defensive at your feedback. Now, I'm like, no, you're making me better. Now, I'm grateful for your feedback. And I say, thank you. That makes you more comfortable giving me feedback. That makes you want to come back and say, hey, now you feel safe. 
Now I'm safe for you. And you feel like you can provide me honest feedback. If we make a place unsafe for feedback, people aren't going to give us feedback. We're not going to get pruned. We're not going to grow. We have to take the feedback and we have to take it well and we have to be thankful for it. Well, I think we have to tell them what kind of feedback we're asking for. Sometimes we're at a point in a project where it's over and maybe we can make changes. If you're doing something every week, you can make changes. But sometimes we're just too close. We've worked on it for 36 hours. We haven't slept. We need praise, right? I just need you to pat my back. Sometimes I need to complain. There's all different kinds of feedback and there is critical feedback. And I think we have to ask. I need to, I need it again. It's probing, asking those questions. So. How for you as a perfectionist, how have you been able to release? Because this is a big issue for you, and this is why you called it unfinished design. So if you want to follow Kelly, unfinished design is the way to do it. Yeah, so our pursuit of perfection for me seems to tie into this idea that there's a destination where we can arrive. Mm-hmm. Like we're always striving to this point of achievement or accomplishment or success or approval. Um, and I think it's a misconception about that causes us to strive and to strive for the hustle in ways that are not helpful. Um, look, um, hard work's great, right? Um, there's an old quote from Dallas Willard you know, that says that um, God is not opposed to effort, he's opposed to earning, mm. right? And it's, it's not effort, it's not our problem. But when we're trying to earn everybody's approval and acceptance of us, then it becomes a problem we're fighting for the wrong things. Mm. And so, um, we, we get this idea that there's a place where we're so good that no one ever criticizes our work or our person or self um, and where everyone is happy with or approves of us in every way. And that's, <laughs> that's kind of a, a lost cause. Um, and it's just not true. And so for me, a lot of letting go of that and learning to not look at my journey as a linear journey. And so if I picture it this way, we often think of our journeys as this like flat line and on the left is our origin and on the right is our destination and we're moving from this point to that point, and we're striving and striving and striving to get closer, and it's a straight flat line. And we're moving to whatever our ideal is, wherever we think we should be over here, what kind of designer we should be, what kind of person we should be. Um, and if we wanna be free of this pursuit of perfection, um, then we need to adjust our perspective. And I think of it this way, if, if we wanna take our straight line, and there's an origin and a destination, but rather than seeking it as a straight line to this destination, let's start to think of it as, as a wavelength, more like a sound wave, and it's going up and down. And while we live on a linear timeline from left to right here, um, what we're really striving for is upward, not to the right. And so we, we work, and so we have goals along this, right? And we go up this wavelength up and down. And sometimes we're above that goal, but sometimes we come back down. Mm-hmm. right and then we come back up and as we go we kind of improve like a stock trail right right and so are we got new goals up here and I'm getting better and I'm getting better and going up and we constantly have this pursuit upward while we're moving to the right but this upward pursuit is not a destination that destination is still over here and it's it's just a timeline of life but we're there's nothing ever finished mm-hmm. we're constantly working to improve and sometimes we're above and sometimes we're below and sometimes we go up and go back down Um, sometimes we get worse at something that we're better at and we come back up and there is no arrival. We're constantly unfinished and in progress. And when we begin to view it that way and see it that way, we find the value and the beauty in our growing rather than comparing our growing to everybody else's blooming. Mm 
Mm. And that's what we want to do. We want to take somebody's flower that's already bloomed and is there and where it should be, but we're not looking at all their work that's under that flower and that plant and it's grown and the deep roots that have to dig down to have a foundation to support that flower. We're not appreciating the root system. We're appreciating the flower, but we're taking that flower and we're comparing it to our root system and going, our flower's not as pretty. And that's because that's where your work's being done. They have their root system too. Mm-hmm. And so part of the protection fall is mixing up our comparison, comparing apples to oranges here and it doesn't work. Um, but we need to kind of learn to settle into um, and not run from our pursuit of perfection, but realize that that being unfinished and constantly growing and constantly improving, but we're flawed and we're fallible. That's actually our best and most perfect self, the growing self, not the arrived self. And so we're constantly disappointed with who we are or what our work is because it doesn't meet our expectation. But what if that goal is not to arrive there, but just to keep working and getting closer and getting better. And so for me, that allowed me to kind of let go of trying to arrive, of trying to have it figured out, of trying to not trying, not stopping my mastery, but not necessarily having to be a master. Right. Being okay so, with failure. Try because you're pushing. You're pushing yourself and you know that you're not an expert. You're just pushing. And because you're pushing, you're getting to the place you want to be more than being perfect. Yeah. If I'm if I'm growing, if I'm challenging, if I'm working, if I'm improving, that's that is the perfect. That is where I should be. Because the moment I think I've arrived and I stop doing that, I get worse. And that's what happened to me. I stepped into capital and started working there and I had this sweet spot where I got great positive feedback and encouragement and I just kind of settled into it. And I stepped out of the growth and out of the trying to mastery, but and just like, I've, I've arrived, I'm good. I'm happy with things the way they are. And I ain't any better until I pulled out of that and realized, wow, I've got a long way to go and started embracing that. I'm just kind of accept that I'm a really unfinished product. By the way, when you admit you're a really unfinished product, you're also less defensive and receive feedback better. <laughs> That's true. And so it, it, all those things kind of help me better to improve. And that, that's kind of unfinished design, right? That's like this idea, like you're, as an unfinished product, you're a better version of yourself than when you're trying to be finished. And it's not leaving things unfinished necessarily, but there's a piece to that. Um, there's a piece of that that's stepping away um, when it's supposed to step away. And it's time to night when something's a higher priority and you need to just let that other thing go. It's learning right. to do that. That's part of being unfinished. That's part of having good boundaries. That's part of me working a lot of hours saying, look, I've got a priority list. And my priority list is God, my wife, my kids, my family, friends. And then I got some other stuff that goes down the list from soccer to all this other stuff. Right. And design works in that, like after the top five. And if I get that order out of whack and I got to confess, I do it all the time. I put work at the top of my list all the time. And when I do, I end up paying prices that I don't want to pay. Hmm. And it costs me more than I want to pay. And, and one, but I have that order right. And the other thing that happens over here, when I get out of whack, is I never feel like I have enough time. Hmm. I'm always fighting for more time. I'm always asking God, can I have a few more hours in the day? Can I have an extra day in the week that nobody else gets? That would be great. But when I have my priority list in, priority list in order, I stop fighting for time. Um, there's always enough to do what I need to do. Um, I'll, I'll lean, I'll lean on the wisdom of Dallas Willard again. Hey, church employee here. Um, God will give us everything we need to do everything he's asked us to do. Hey, you have a quote of that. There's, there's a quote of that. We, we hear it a lot, at our church, but, but it's an important one and it's an important one to remember. Um, and so like, I guess for me, like 
realizing that beauty in the growing, now I no longer have to compare my raw work in progress to somebody's blooming flower. And I use blooming ironically there. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's just not effective. It's not valuable. And in realizing that and seeing that, like, I've also noticed my style of design has changed with that. It's become a little more raw and rough around the edges because I'm, I've become more willing to accept like that reality as part of my style and my design. Like, and maybe sharing those unfinished exactly. parts. So being more vulnerable yep. has allowed other people to be more vulnerable as a result, right? Yeah, I would hope so. I would hope so. So, all right. So we are at the end. We have gone an hour and I, of course I never um, finish, but that gives us an opportunity for a part two. Um, <laughs> but I want to, so you've kind of touched on some of the time management stuff and just your priorities. And I think that that is really important. I think mine get out of whack all the time also. So can you just really quick go through these last three questions and then okay. we'll do the others in a part two, okay. if, you, if you will. Um, all right. So how do you recharge? Um, recharge. I did have these written down. I'm going to look at them. Oh, good. <laughs> Um, I do non-design focused creative things like what? Um, whether it be building something with my hands, building a shelf, building a nightstand, building a bed. Um, I, I don't have a printmaking press, but I'd love to have a printmaking press and do printmaking like things that I can get my hands into that don't have me near a screen because I love to be creative, but I love to work with my hands and there's frankly not enough of that. Um, and so drawing not on my iPad, um, stuff like that. So, um, those work. I flex weak, weak muscles. God is pulling me into a lot of leadership areas right now, and I'm not that great at it, but he's really challenging me to do it. And so that's going to refresh me in weird ways because I'm, I'm working muscles that I don't usually use and it makes me better in other ways. Um, and then I love to be adventurous. I, I get outside. I go hike. I go camp. Um, I get away from this world. <laughs> go to an <laughs> island, where? but not in an island. I, I will go to an actual island called Hawaii where everybody's from in November. So, oh, sweet. and I will be adventurous and, and have fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, I mean, for heaven's sake, have fun. It just, whatever you're doing, enjoy what you're doing. I didn't touch on this, but I think one of the most important things that has helped me to exercise unfinished design and being part of that is gratitude. Mm. When you learn to be thankful for stuff, even the stuff you don't want to be thankful for. Like what? Um, you know, specific example, you told me to be quick here. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, I, I have, I have some friends who are going through something really hard right now and, and they have a young son who, who's got a brain tumor uh, attached to the brainstem and, um, it stinks. He just turned eight and that's tough. And how do you find something to be thankful for in that? How do you, how do you embrace that mm. and, and deal with that? And here's one thing they've done that I'm so thankful for. Um, Jackson, little boy, calls it his stupid tumor. Um, and, and he does it emphatically. And um, they found a way to be thankful for that joy and humor in the midst of chaos and struggle. When you can do that kind of thing, when you can can look at hard things and things you don't want to go through and say, what can I get out of this? What thankfulness, how can I embrace and see my son's character come through in this challenge and say, I'm so thankful for his heart and his courage. It may all make everything you go through easier to deal with. 
but it'll make it easier to see feedback. It'll make it easier to look at your failure and embrace it and help it make you better. Um, gratitude is, is at the heart of embracing who you are, letting go of perfection and being more successful. Okay, that was good. That was just one of the questions. That was kind of a character <laughs> there, Kelly. Okay. Sorry. No, it's good. I think it's good. I appreciate you sharing that. I mean, I did, I tear up pretty easy, but anyway, <laughs> I don't have any tissues at my desk today. Um, so what advice would you give your younger self? Um, a couple things. Uh, my first, I kind of touched on, but enjoy it. Uh, mm -hmm. I recently read a book. It talks about uh, Australian cattle ranchers and how they would keep cattle on the ranch. And one way is to build a fence and another way is to build a well. And we want to box ourselves in with a fence and we want to say this is the boundaries we go. But you don't even have to build a fence if you build a well worth coming back to. Um, and so that's learn, learn to build wells and not fences. Mm, not for myself, I love that. For people around me. Um, I think that's a big thing. Uh, and that helps with with time management too, right? Come back to the things that are worth being back to. Um, and it's also about giving. So giving of your time, not thinking that everybody's yeah. taking, but be willing to give because then you become a well, hopefully. That is absolutely, absolutely true. Absolutely true. Thank you for that. Um, I've touched on a couple other things, but uh, learn to receive feedback. I, I'm still learning that. And then I've only started learning that in recent years. That was a struggle for you. That real feedback was hard in the, so, cause that seems to be something that a lot of people struggle with. So were you always like an A student? Um, no, I mean, I was, I, I mean, I was a good student. I was B plus A's. I, I graduated high school with like a 3.5 or something, but I was not like a 4.0 student. So, but like even in soccer, like when you played soccer, were you always really good? No. Um, in fact, I had people tell me in high school um, that they really loved to watch me play and flat out told me in your face, you're not the best player on the field, but you play with more heart and hustle than anybody we've ever seen. And that's kind of always been what's been my defining characteristic. I am not people. A lot of people view me as a perfectionist, um, which I, which I understand. And I try to pursue excellence, but really I'm driven by heart and hustle by hard work. I, yeah. What? <laughs> um, I believe in pouring my whole soul into the things that I do and, and holding nothing back. And, and that's kind of probably what makes me look like a perfectionist is mm. I try to pour everything in of myself into it. I think that's a great tip there. Okay. <laughs> but so I was thinking sometimes perfectionists or people who have a hard time receiving feedback were really, they were always top performers. And so they have a hard time failing. And so they, it's really hard. You know, I'm not like a stupid kid, but I wasn't the <laughs> smartest. I was in my family. My mom's here. Like she'd be like, huh, really? You're having trouble with this. Your sister didn't have any trouble with this, you know? <laughs> uh, but it was all the time because my sister's super smart and I was just struggle, struggle, struggle. And I think it was just cause I just wasn't focused or I didn't want whatever, you know, if I put my, but I was just better at other things, which didn't count, you know, in second grade, <laughs> the teacher was like, she put all of us like facing, four of us facing each other. And my mom, oh. she complained to my mom that I was talking too much. And she's like, why did you face them to each other? She thinks she's at lunch talking. She <laughs> wants to converse. So she's, if you're talking up there, she's having her own private conversation at the table. It's your fault for facing her this way. So I appreciate that my mom's took yeah. for me, you know, understood about 
it's classroom. Then have her face you if you don't want her to talk to somebody. Absolutely. But I think that, you know, I didn't ever see the value in me being talkative or, you know, I just knew that I failed a lot. I mean, I didn't fail classes. I made two D's in college, pretty much failing, but, um, but I didn't go to class that much and I did, it was accounting and economics and I didn't get it and I hated it. And you asked me to subtract nine from two, you know, I was like, oh. but, but I think that sometimes when you're, re when you're used to failing or used to struggling, the getting feedback isn't as bad, but then mm -hmm. I've seen kids who struggle a lot, but they don't think that they're bad, but because they don't think they're bad, they have this aura that mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm talking about and they do. And I think yeah. that, you know, that's like most teenagers live in that. <laughs> but I, I think that it's something that it's like, well, and I don't know if it's just me or I just know that I'm not the smartest, the brightest bulb. So I have to work harder and I'm, I'm okay knowing that, but it also allows me to ask questions that maybe somebody else wouldn't ask. So in grad school, my teacher was like, um, well, Diane will miss you. And I was like, really? Why? And he's like, because you were the only one that when we would ask, who doesn't know who this designer is? You know, I was like, I guess I'm the dumbass, you know, like, <laughs> everybody else is raising their hand. I'm like me, I guess the kid who went to school in Alabama doesn't know anything about your design history. Please tell me who it was. And my professor was like, Diane, nobody else knew. We could tell by their face. They didn't know what we were talking about, but you were the only one that would raise your hand. I was like, well, look, I wouldn't even pay it for it. You know, they were paying me to go there. I was like, I'm getting the most out of this education as possible. <laughs> and he, said he would, he would miss that. And so I think that there's something I'm so thankful that I'm like that. But I think that a lot of people have that, like, I've got to, I've got to not ask. I've got to act yeah. like I know what I'm talking about, but really there's a book called rookie smarts and it's, by a lady, and I can't remember what her name is, but it talks about that kind of embracing. No matter how old you are, you need to. There are things that new people in a field know. So uh, when people are getting hired, you'll see somebody who's been in the field for seven years will say they don't know how to do that. They'll be able to figure it out. They'll not know how to do it. And then you'll have somebody who's fresh out of school or two years out of school, and they'll say, Yeah, I can do that. I can do that. And, you know, they might know how to do to peel the apple, but they don't know how to grow the apple. You yeah. know, it's like, Oh, I know how to peel it. Yeah. Yeah. And, but that wasn't, you know, it was like, it's like, you don't know what you don't know. And so that seven year person knows what they don't know. Anyway, I, I don't know if that's, that's why I was wondering. I was like, Oh, he was like Vicky, you know, had a hard time failing because he never failed, but clearly that wasn't it. So <laughs> why do you think you had a hard time accepting feedback? Because, because we view it as a threat right? We, we don't want to be exposed. We don't want to be vulnerable. That's the, the perfectionist in us. Mm -hmm. Doesn't want to, to be exposed. Doesn't want to admit that we're a failure. Doesn't, but you look at successful people and like, what's the number one thing that they note for their success? I failed 42 times and on the 43rd, I figured something out, right? And that's, failure is essential for growth, right? Learning what doesn't work is part of that. It's part of that pruning process. But when we see feedback as a threat, and I did, right? I don't, I don't want to let people down. If I'm pouring my heart and soul into something, it's like, okay, how do I just give a little bit more? How do I make this happen? How do I, yeah, that hero complex or Messiah complex, right? Where it's like, I'm, I'm going to step in and save the day. And we thrive on that, mm. you know? So, so, but when we get feedback and you're pouring your heart and soul into something and somebody says that wasn't good enough, 
uh, strikes you to the soul, right? And you're like, because that's that where you're everything. Get, because that's where you're getting your self. Uh, what do you call that? Your your approval. Well, you're worth. you're defining. Yeah, your worth. Yeah. Because that's how you're defining yourself. Yeah. Um. So then you, when somebody says it's not good enough that's like, oh my gosh, I'm not good enough. And Brene Brown talks a lot about this, about um, where it's not, this is, they're not saying you aren't good enough. They're just saying this thing isn't enough. Yeah. Thanks for the feedback talks about that. There's three, um, three feedback triggers, relationship triggers. So like if my son came and gave feedback to me about, oh, you're my son. I'm not listening to that. Um, that that's a relational trigger. He might be right. Um, identity triggers, which is basically, like you say, that's not good enough. And I say, I'm not good enough. Mm. Right. And then, um, I forget the third one right now. Um, truth triggers. Um, and so trigger, I'm trying to remember without just totally messing it up. Check out the book. We can look it up. So I put the link (laughs) over there. It's thanks for the feedback. And all these are on the show notes. If you're what, if you're listening on iTunes, yeah or you're watching on YouTube and there obviously isn't a chat, you can get all these. There'll be underneath on SoundCloud or on wherever you're getting these. It'll be in the info. But if you go to rechargingyou.com slash 309, you'll get all these these books, all of them. So thanks for the feedback was one of the books you wanted yep. us to share. Yeah. You also had three others. Do you want to – So there's so a great – Boundaries. Uh, yeah, Boundaries is – oh, my goodness. Cloud and Townsend. Um, yeah, if you ha- if you have kids, if you're dating, if you're married, if you live well, there's in the workplace world. one, right? Right. Yeah. So it's not just one life solution is is a is a very business oriented one. Um, my goodness, get good at boundaries, um, personal boundaries, um, boundaries with other people, learning when to say no, learning when to let people off the hook. Um, as Brene Brown would say, would say, clarity is kind, mm-hmm. right? Like learn to just boundary up and know when you have to say what you have to say. Um, crucial conversations. I didn't mention that one, but yeah, that's yeah. another big book um, that they put out there is helpful. Uh, and then the other one, uh, well, uh, Eternity is now a session. I mentioned Dallas Willard a few times. Um, it's a book by John Ortberg, who was mentored by Dallas Willard. Um, talks about a lot of Dallas Willard stuff. It's a new book, short book, um, but it's it's great. Its premise is all about shifting our our thinking and faith from trying to get people into heaven to trying to get heaven into people. Mm. and how revolutionary that shift in faith is. Um, and, and so I, I recommend it. Um, and then the other book is Patrick Lynchoni, um, and it's The Ideal Team Player. Um, and his premise there is humble, hungry, smart. And we kind of touched on a little bit of stuff, but look, if, if you want to be a good employee, if you want to hire good employees, um, learn humble, hungry, smart. Those are the three areas that any ideal team player would have. And if they have only two of those areas, it will tell you why that's going to be a detriment to your team and why you will be a detriment to your team if you are. And I so, bought that one on Audible already. Did you? I was like, ooh, I got to get that one. And you it know, people, a good one. you guys can get a free book on Audible by listening to Design Recharge at audibletrial.com slash design recharge. Just a little plug there. I know we're here at the end, but I want people to know how they can follow you. So you obviously have. Uh, Kel, D-E-S-I-G-N-E-D. That's your yeah. personal if you want to follow your family and see. I'm Kel Designed on almost every platform. You can find me there. And, and then on Instagram, LinkedIn. you can find unfinished underscore design is my design work. Um, and then at Capital Church is my work. work. <laughs> so it's not just my stuff, but it's mostly my stuff. Um, and so you'll find me all those places. Keldesign.com is the website. Um, Dribble Kel Designed. 
um, and you said LinkedIn too. So LinkedIn, yep. Instagram, Twitter, um, all those, and I'm going to put all those in again, um, into the chat and they again, will be right below. Anyway, thank you so much, Kelly, for yeah. doing this. You gave a lot of really good tactical steps as well as for being an introvert, going out from Utah to Georgia is quite a long ways to go by yourself. Um, and I think that uh, you, you said the first year you kind of just went back to your hotel and then the next year you brought your wife and then the next year <laughs> I roped you into doing all kinds of things and you were never alone, right? Because you hey, stayed that, at an Airbnb and you're so thankful that I made you do stuff. <laughs> I, I will say that. I, I didn't touch on it, but it was in my notes that if, if you're going to go to a conference and you need to step out, volunteer. By all means, volunteer because there's no better way to get over your fear and connect with people than to do the exact thing you hesitate, you hesitate to do, which is connect with people. And you can't hide in the corner if you volunteer. And I think there's no better way to meet people than to step into that. And hey, I'll, I'll do it again. Okay, good. I'm going to make you. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's really, it's a good way to kind of like now you get to help people. And I think that that's what volunteering is, that you get to help the other people who are lost or you get to help somebody who's, um, her, who's backstage that's nervous um, or, you know, they're trying to find something or they, and then you get to be that kind of that peaceful we're going to get you through it. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, so there's only one last question. It was what's next. What's next. Um, I'm kind of excited. That from you? Very clear right now, which is great. Um, I'm, I'll be in Eswatini, the kingdom of Eswatini, Africa in October. Yeah. So like I said, God is kind of stretching my leadership muscles here a little bit. So I'm leading a team, a missions team to Eswatini. It'll be my third time there, but this time I'm leading a team. So that's. Where is that? Is that a country? It's in Southern Africa. It's right in between Mozambique and uh, South Africa. Oh, and cool. So it's a little, little tiny country there. So that's exciting. Um, in the foreseeable future, I'll be where I'm at doing what I'm doing. Um, we have our God the Movie series in the fall, which is always super busy. And I'll be editing movies to show in church. And that's always fun. Um, I'll be coaching my son's U11 boys soccer team. I will continue to do that. We have a tournament game tonight. And uh, Another trophy on the way? I hope so. We tied yesterday, so we're going to have to up our game the next two games and see what happens. Um, so, and I guess I'll just be, I'll be doing my best to continue to embrace my unfinishedness and um, hopefully inspire people to. Will you still be doing more. another set of challenges soon? We'll see. Not in the fall. Um, I, I got a pretty heavy plate <laughs> with the, uh, between coaching and going to Africa and my kids in school. and So like in the spring? Maybe in the spring, maybe in the spring. They, they start those two challenges right about like prior to Easter. And if you know anything about working for a church, like holidays mean you work twice as much as you normally do. Right. Um, so you know, yeah. You can do a challenge anytime you want, Kelly. Right, you don't right. have to I have anybody it. else. You could do it with Kyle and you can do it with <laughs> Dickerald or I'll do it with you. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to do it when everybody else does it. So I think sometimes it's like, okay, if this is a slower time, if March March would be okay. Well, I don't know. It's right before Easter. Also, yeah, I'll do more challenges. I got, I've got to keep getting better. I'm not going to stop. It's so good to see where you go and where you push. And I love, we didn't really talk about the colorblindness, but you don't let that stop you. I connected you with my friend, Kevin, who has, is colorblind. Also. Yeah. And I just well, think I'm talking that, to Shane too. Yeah. I just think that it's, it's, it gives people hope, you know, that, Oh, he's colorblind. He, he did that. And then I can do, okay, I can do this. I just need to figure out a way through, right. It's just an obstacle. Yeah. It's just one thing. It's easy to overcome. Or maybe it's a superpower. That's, and that's Shane and I talked about that. Um, I've, I've found a way to view colorblindness as a strength. It makes me good at some areas that other people overlook. 
and and it can be a strength and anything can be so me too so can talking a lot hey See? that's a pretty that's a pretty good strength um, i always got an in <laughs> in conduct my mom's like in again and i was <laughs> So I was, you know, now I use it to my advantage. Yeah, that's one of your greatest strengths right there. Well, you tell my Miss Vesperman, my <laughs> second grade teacher, she probably would not agree. But anyway, I super am, I'm very thankful for you. And thank you for coming and doing this. I just really appreciate that you were able to share. And you really got, you gave us a lot of content. And I shared all those books are over there. I'll get the um, Crucial Conversations, which is another one by Townsend and Cloud. I think they did that one together too. It's, or maybe it's just cloud. You know what? Know. No, necessary endings behind me, and that's cloud. Necessary endings is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you have, that's a good one too. Okay. Um, <laughs> but that's a cloud book. Um, yeah, crucial conversations. I think it's cloud towns, but I'm not sure. Well, we'll. I'll, I'll add that in the show notes. Anything by Henry Cloud is worthwhile. Okay. Well, good to know. All right, and you guys can follow because I didn't. I didn't say it out loud, but it's K E L. D-E-S-I-G-N-E-D, and that's pretty much everywhere. And then you can always check out his website at K-E-L-D-E-S-I-G-N-E-D.com. And if you want to look at Capital Church, it's C-A-P-I-T-A-L, not O-L, Capital Church. And you know how to spell church. If not, hopefully you can look that one up. And Naomi says, Diane, my seventh grade teacher hated giving detentions, but she had me spend many lunches with her rewriting the definition of quiet. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious, Naomi. Me and you. Oh. Thank you again. And thank you guys. So next week, oh, we're having a Tuesday design recharge because I'm talking to Tom Ross from Honest Designers and he's in London and it's hard, you know, they don't want to stay up that late. And I think they actually do Honest Designers at the same time I do this. So it's too difficult to do two things at once. So we're going to have Tom Ross on and he's going to be talking about building a personal brand. And I think um, following Kelly, who's built a church brand and then also done all this other stuff. Uh, I think this is a really good way to push. He, um, Tom also has pushed. He gave himself a 10 year window and is probably going to reach his goal in, in two years. So I think that that's really uh, big. He also is a is somebody who's really a hustler and he's going to get, he really, he really feels really strongly about building community and building real relationships. So it really ties into yours really well. Yeah. So I hope you guys will join me at, well, I'm sorry, 10 o'clock for me. That means central time. So, uh, that'd be two. No, hmm, that'd be 8 AM on Tuesday, the 20th for Pacific and 11 AM. I'm terrible with math. Boy. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you think like one plus one and minus two. My mom's like, oh, can't believe that's my kid. My mom's good at math. Not so me, much me. All right. Well, um, thank you guys. You're getting lots of love over there, Kelly, in the chat. And um, Thank you guys. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for making it to the end. Another way to support the channel and the podcast and get extra content like part twos, like we're going to do this next week with Andre Caetano. Um, an illustrator from Portugal. He, his show was too long. We're doing a part two this next week, and so it'll be up soon. And this stuff is delivered to patrons only at patreon.com slash Diane Gibbs. Diane with one N. My favorite way to build websites is with the Elementor plugin. I built so many this summer, and it makes it so much faster and easier. And if strategy is what you like to do, this is great because you get to create your everything. You can use a theme that already exists or use a template that already exists, or 
you can totally do your own. And I, I love that. It makes it so much easier to build. So it makes almost any WordPress theme invincible. This plugin has really changed the way I'm able to design websites. It is the Elementor plugin and what other plugins or visual builders fall short, um, Elementor use common sense and it's easy to understand and implement. So if you want to um, check it out, use this link. It is Capital, it's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y, capital D, capital R, Elementor, E-L-E-M-E-N-T-O-R. There is a new app that I'm using to track my time, and it's really helpful, and it has this really amazing part. So the time, Timely is the app that I use on my computer or my phone to track time, my time, and what projects I'm working on and things like that. There's also a memory option. This is kind of the stalker option, and it remembers what you've been doing, what website you were on, what project you were working on, on InDesign, what project you were working on in Photoshop, things like this, which really makes it helpful when I'm really, when I didn't hit the timer. When you sign up for Timely via this link, which is the bit.ly, bit.ly, all lowercase dr timely, you will get 10% off once you activate your subscription. I think there's a 14-day free trial, so you can try before you buy. And that's it. Hit like, hit subscribe. You can always come live every week if you go to rechargingyou.com and sign up for the design to be part of the Design Recharge family. I just want to thank you for being here and thank you for staying to the end. And give us a comment. I'd love to Hi. Hey, today is episode 309 and we have Kelly. Is it 309? I think it is. But I, that is, I knew I was made for a bald, bald man when I, because in seventh grade there was this band. I know I'm older than you, but maybe Jeremy will remember them because Jeremy and I are about, I think I'm only a year older than him, but it was called uh, Midnight Oil and they were from Australia and the lead singer was bald and I was in seventh grade then. And then in 10th grade, my favorite character in this Western TV show, he was bald and I was like, oh, I just really like that. And then I just, I married, I've dated maybe two other bald people and then I married a bald man.